0: On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, uh, we are back, right? It's been a while, uh, but we're back. We're going to touch upon some off-season news, the coaching staff, JC Jackson, as well as some NFL draft talk with the one and only Ryan Roberts. Uh going to dive into some receivers today. It's been a busy week at the Combine, the Patriots meeting with a lot of the top talents. Um, and then we'll finish up with a newer segment. Uh, I'll let Pat take that one away, but uh, this is my... <laughs> welcome back to the show.
1: Stacked receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson
0: extends the hands. He has it. Wilson,
1: quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted! Intercepted about the ball
0: Just tuning in. It's our first time back. Uh we've took a what about six weeks off, guys? Right? It's it's been a while. I know we've we've stayed in touch, but um, as you can see behind me, if you're watching live, the combine's going on now. So mm-hmm. um it's starting to get a little bit busy. The the league new year, the new league year kicks off in two weeks from yesterday. I think it what's that yep. the sixteenth?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, the
0: sixteenth. So um things are starting to ramp up and I think it's starting to get a little bit interesting. But before we dive into it, how are you guys doing? It's good to see you guys again.
3: Feeling rested. Rested and ready yeah. to go.
2: Yeah, it's been a while. I uh I feel like a lot of life has happened since we've last been on on these. So lots to talk about. We'll get the, into it later. The but...
0: last the last one was probably the I don't even think we did one after the Buffalo game. So it might have been that No,
3: we did. We did. did but we? we did, but it was quick. We did, it, was but it was quick. Yeah. Exactly. So Tom Brady has allegedly retired since since we were on. So like, you know, it's Yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see. we'll see if that if that sticks or not, but supposedly he's retired.
0: So a lot's changed, yep. obviously, right? Completely new coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we thought, you know, that looks like they don't have a number on corner, not a number two, maybe not even a number three. Uh, it's early, but I think let's dive in. Let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. I think that's the most interesting and something we can kind of dive into. I think we might have some different opinions on kind of how things go, but – Obviously, Josh McDaniels leaves, takes the Vegas job. Everybody knows that. Took on Bo Hardegree, their assistant quarterback coach. Mick Lombardi is now their offensive coordinator. Carmen Brasillo will be their offensive line coach. Um, and it is expected that Ivan Fears will retire. So completely new offensive staff for Mac Jones in his second year. Obviously, we know how advanced he is and how pro-ready, how well he you know adapted. It, it shouldn't be too much of an issue, right? I think of, uh, someone like him... Um, it might not affect him as much as another guy going into their second year, but obviously right. there there is some cause for concern. Uh, Patriots obviously bring back Joe Judge as an off- offensive assistant. Um, what's your guys' overall thoughts, I'll, Keegan? I'll start with you. We haven't we've texted about this, but we haven't been open about it. Uh, I'm curious. Yep. What's what's your take on on everything kind of going on here?
2: So I'll try to be as positive as possible to start off because the initial you know response to hearing the reports that. Joe judge is going to be back as an offensive assistant that Matt Patricia might even be taking over a role on the offense. Everybody's kind of freaked out a little bit. And it's funny to me, just on like a surface level, you think you've got two former NFL head coaches. Neither one of them were particularly successful, but two former NFL head coaches, they're coming back to where they've coached. Both of them coached for a long time in new England. um, And they're going to be able to work with the young quarterback. So it's like you, you have three head coaches, former head coaches and a head coach on your roster to be able to work with a lot of young players that I assume they're going to be bringing in within the next couple of years. Like there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. Um, so I think that's a good thing. The fact that they're former head coaches, they've been in the position and now they're going to be overlooked by Bill Belichick. So maybe they can rein in the, rein them in a little bit. Um, and in terms of the actual offensive coaching, I don't know what Matt Patricia's doing on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the, the real thing for me is who's going to be calling the plays. Cause if it goes to Joe judge, we've seen the decisions that that guy makes uh, when he has the ability to make those decisions. And Matt Patricia, he called plays on defense and he didn't do a particularly great job at that. So um, who's going to be calling plays? That's, that's my huge question. I don't have an answer for anybody. I don't think you guys do either, but that's, that's the number one thing I, I can't help but go back. You have an answer. Do. Let's do it. I yeah. have
0: an answer. I think and Pat, I'll let you go, but I, I I think you have a point on this too. I I think it's Nick Kaley. And if you kind of look back at their coaching, you know, changes, right. So Mick Lombardi goes to be an offensive coordinator under Josh McDaniels. I I think, you know, and, and we're obviously speculating here. If he was given an opportunity to take on that role here, is that really enough to poach him away from somewhere he's been in the system for, you know, five, six years now to go under Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback, or to go to Vegas, you know, start a whole new career there under Derek Carr, who's only under contract for one more year, or would he stay here and be an offensive coordinator? I think inside that building, there's always these up-and-coming coaches. I think people saw, hey, you know, maybe there's not much room to grow here on the offensive side to a coordinator role because Nick Haley's that next guy, right? Everybody starts out as a positional coach. I think what helps Nick Haley is his ability to, uh, his past experience working with tight ends, right? Heavily involved in both the run mm-hmm. game, In the pass game, Um, if I were to guess, I would think Judge, would. you might see something like you're going on on the defensive side of the ball with Belichick and Mayo. I think from a game plan perspective, Kaylee's probably their guy just because he's had his hands on so many parts of the offense for probably quite some time now, being the tight end coach, like I said, and his experience in both the run and pass game. Um, So I I think this guy's their next up-and-coming kind of, I don't want to call him a a young guru coach because we don't know anything about him, but – I think he has an opportunity here to really grow and shock some people uh, kind of bring a, maybe a more modernized approach to their offense uh, and bring a little bit more juice to it. Assuming that they, they upgrade at the positions we need them to.
3: Yeah. I think the writing's on the wall, right? Obviously, Mac Jones is, is the most important person on the team right now, right? His development and his play is going to kind of take the Patriots where they're going to go because you can't win without a great quarterback. So, or at least an above average quarterback as we saw with the Rams this year. So you have to look at it and say, okay, him improving needs to be the number one thing. So does that mean that we want Joe judge working with him? I don't know. Joe judge was a college quarterback, but like, I don't know, like who knows, but I think Nick Haley is interesting. and, and um, Henry McKenna was talking about this on, on Tommy Carne's podcast, I think, today. Um, and he was saying, you know, McDaniels has talked about how, and, you know, we all know the Belichick quote from 2019 with the, with the thing with Sabin, where he doesn't like guys poaching his own guys. Well, Josh McDaniels didn't sound like that at all. Josh McDaniels sounded like, hey, I talked to Belichick. We're all good. Like, we had discussions about it. And it sounded like he got the green light to take pretty much everyone he wanted away from Belichick. The one guy who didn't go was Nick Cayley, and so you look at it and say, Okay, Brasillo goes, and you know, a few other guys went as well, but Nick Cayley doesn't go. And so, is that because Belichick said, Hey, listen, you want to take calm with you? Go ahead, but like Nick Cayley's staying because he's the guy that I, you know, that we're kind of grooming for this position. And again, will he be the, the offensive coordinator this year? No, he won't be, he won't get that title this year. But similar to what happened with Flo when he came. Yeah, he wasn't the defensive coordinator, but he was calling the plays. He was in charge of the offense. And I think you'll see Belichick, you know, kind of step over into the offense a little bit maybe, you know, and, and get his hands in there a little bit more than he typically does because, yes, we have some guys over there. And like you said, you know, Keegan mentioned it where you have, you, you know, you have coaches, head coaches that are now on the offensive side of the football. And, yes, they're primarily either special teams or offensive guy or defensive guys but all these guys worked offense, right? These guys all studied offense. They're from the Patriots. The Patriots do everything. You can't do just one side of the ball. You do everything when you're on the Patriots. So they have experience with that. I'm not, you know, I mean, look, would I have liked Bill O'Brien or even Jesus Christ, maybe even Adam Gase because they have, you know, they have experience as a play caller? Sure. But if Bill Belichick looks at this uh, at this coaching staff and says, "Hey, we have enough brain power here." that I feel confident with the offense and the defense. I think it's a lot of good young coaches on the defense. And, you know, offensively, if, if we're comfortable where we are, then I'm okay with it. Like, you know, and they'll figure it out. And if Kaylee is that guy that we kind of don't necessarily see coming and never heard of, and all of a sudden, boom, he's this great coach, great. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but but at least give it a shot, right?
0: I know there's there's been reports, too, that they're not, officially done filling out their offensive staff, right? They typically do work slow, especially when you consider anybody that's kind of coming in has probably had some sort of experience here, whether it's Bill O'Brien or not, right? They're going to have right. some sort of relationship indirectly, or, or like I said, worked for Bill somewhere uh, along the lines here. But uh, I think another interesting move too is, you know, obviously he hasn't got the title yet, but I think Troy Brown working with receivers, yeah. um, will be super important, right? I, I think he kind of helped out there a little bit last year. He was part running back coach, obviously gets his hands um, on the receivers and, and runs most of the drills, but that was Lombardi's title last year. And I think that that comes back to them not being able to, to develop receivers, right? You haven't had somebody as a coach there play the position at an NFL level before and, and you know, with a, with a strong class and then meeting with a lot of these guys, assuming that they're going to take one, hopefully early on in this draft, you want a guy who's been yeah. in there, uh, has played in the system and knows what he's doing, you know, developing these receivers. Because I think that that's what's kind of hurt them at that position over the last few years. They've had to go out and spend to get, you know, proven talent um, to improve at that position when they haven't had much success drafting them.
2: And even guys like Hendrick Bourne, who wasn't, I mean – let's call a spade a spade like he wasn't a superstar offseason signing it was a guy that they were like you know everybody thought they were throwing money at this guy because they needed something that you at least knew was an nfl receiver he had the the best year of his career under you know working with troy brown and, and this staff so uh maybe with new people making decisions in the front office maybe you know you can get a little bit better at developing those receivers but i you you talked about it earlier spags the fact that Kaylee did work with tight ends, which means he worked in the run game and the pass game. Mm-hmm. And with Ivan Fears going, who a bunch of reports came out after we kind of figured out that he was probably leaning towards retirement, he's been their run game coordinator for probably a decade at this point, and he's been doing all of their, their on-the-ground game plans. So that's another huge thing to where if I would rather have a, a passing game guy come in and be the offensive coordinator or a run game guy, you definitely want a guy who, who can take over you know, fill in the shoes for a guy who's been doing it for so long, like Fears. So I, I think it's important to kind of stress that Fears is maybe just as big of a departure as Josh McDaniels, because now you've got passing game and running game to kind of fill in. Right. Like you said, Nick Haley, who's worked with both, maybe he can kind of take half and half and then delegate the rest to somebody else.
3: I want my guy Kev. I need Kev back. That's what we need. Little Shout Kevin out Vinny Clark. Sanceri,
2: who's done a phenomenal yep. job over two One years for running backs. yeah they've had two of the better running back groups that they've had in a long time with him, you know, helping out. So, he's done a great yeah, job. Yeah, he's
3: done well.
0: And let's now let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball which obviously now dealing with players JC Jackson, right? What what's kind of going on with this situation? Uh franchise tag window ends the 8th, which is next Monday. They have till yep. then to tag him. I know there's been reports out there that uh it doesn't look like they're going to, uh, which means he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and most likely gone because they don't have the cap situation to be able to compete with, you know, these players on the open market. Um, Pat, I know you, you had a similar you had an article come out today, which I'm, I'm, I'll let you get into in a minute. But, you know, I, I think everybody um, sort of agrees that, you know, if you go back three years now you know, assuming I know it's early, right. They can draft someone, you know, they could potentially develop a cornerback one, go out, and you know, get a guy on the cheap and, and kind of work something in. But if you go back three years now, they've really botched this position when you think back to Gilmore, right. I think for the last 10 years, really, since they've had a keep to leap here, they've always had a number one corner who can play press man and really take away one side of the field. Um, you know, so I think, you know, Tlaib, right? You, you lose Tlaib, you go out and get Revis, you lose Revis, you had Butler, you lose Butler, you had Gilmore. And then, you know, with Gilmore, you had Jackson to kind of fill in, right? So right. Um, now they don't have that. Think back three years, they were both up on the same year. Um, Gilmore goes for a sixth, and now Jackson's look, you're going to lose two number one corners. Um, I wouldn't say Gilmore's in the prime of his career, but Jackson certainly is at 25. Um, and, maybe get a sixth and probably a third round compensatory pick next year. Um, that's not good. You know, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It, it really is like, and maybe they don't have a tag and trade partner in mind. Someone will just, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll just pay him the money, whatever he wants. We're going to have to sign him to a contract anyways. Um, but from the start, I mean, this has been uh, kind of a disaster. And like I said, I know it's early in the year and early in the off season and they could certainly work something out from now until next week, but uh, from the looks of it right now, it's it doesn't look good at that position.
3: No, the and the biggest thing, and, and you know, one of the things my article was saying today when it came on on the pulpit was like, you know, it, it's not just about the fact that you're getting nothing. Like, it's one thing to let them walk, right? Like, hey, we're not going to pay you $18 million a year. We're going to let you walk. Fine. that That's fine. If, if that's the issue, that's fine. You knew this was coming, right? You knew this was coming. 2020, you look at 2020, you say, okay, we know what's coming. J.C. Jackson's a restricted free agent at the end of 2020. Stefan Gilmore wants more money in 2020. So, what do we do? We give him money from 2021 for 2020. Well, then you know Gilmore's not going to play for $7.5 million, and you still don't do anything about it. You let him go all the way there, and then you say, Oh, okay. Oh, now he doesn't want to play. Uh, I guess we'll just trade him for nothing. They got nothing back. The Carolina Panthers, and I was like, yeah, I keep saying it <laughs> until it happens. Assuming the Carolina Panthers don't re-sign Stephon Gilmore, they are going to get more back for compensation than the Patriots did for trading him away for letting him walk. That is inexcusable. Stephon, Gil- I don't care whether Stephon Gilmore is thirty-five years old. He was Defensive Player of the Year two years ago. Two years ago, he was Defensive Player of the Year, and you got a sixth-round pick in next year's draft for him. It's it's unbelievably horrible. And then to put Jackson on the on the RFA tag this year, that's fine. Got no problem with that. Maybe they thought someone was going to come in, was going to swoop in and, and and give them an offer and give them a second round pick for him. And I think that they, I almost wonder if they were hoping that that happened and it didn't. But fine, he plays under that. They haven't made one legitimate offer towards him yet. You know, I'm sure they've thrown him stuff, but they've all they've lowballed him. You know, they lowballed him. And so now you, you take him to the carpet again. And yeah, we started playing well, but like we. You know, you look at it and just say, man, like, I just, it's, you you fumbled it, man. You fumbled it. You got two of these great players and you're going to let them both walk and you're going to get nothing back in return. And it's just like, man, like, how did you screw that up that badly that you're getting nothing back for both guys? You had to choose between two of them. So choose Gilmore and say, hey, look, we'll do Gilmore and then we'll redo his deal in 2021. Fine. And then we'll we'll RFA uh, Jackson, and we'll trade him midseason, or we'll trade him before the before the season happens. Like choose between one of them. Now you choose none of them, and you're ending up with Jalen Mills as your number one corner. Now, I, listen, they could sign him to a long term extension. They could even franchise tag him and let him play this year. But if they let him walk for nothing, it's just it's it's just horrendous mismanagement by them. And not to, forget about the fact you're not getting anything. Now you don't have anyone there either. So it, it's it's a disaster.
2: So that's Pat's manifesto. I, I I don't have a ton to add to that because <laughs> you, you kind of said it all. What I will say is they have two chances to bail themselves out here. You can tag or extend JC and just have him return. Uh, that That's still on the table. It doesn't look likely, but it's it could happen. Right. And then me and Spags have talked about it. This is a very deep cornerback class, I believe. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for them to go out and get a guy. He's not going to be JC Jackson in year one. We all know that. But I think there's an opportunity for them to kind of make up not some of the production, but kind of fill that role. Um so, so I'll wait, I'll wait off just a little bit until So Keegan, I go you're
3: not the- you're not wrong there. You're not wrong, right? And and then maybe they draft a guy at twenty-one, maybe they even move up and get a guy, how Stingley falls and they get him at fifteen or something like that. Like maybe that happens. But even if that happens, you're still getting nothing back for JC Jackson, so you let Gilmore and Jackson walk and get nothing in return, and so it's like you just you can't have those assets and just you know you don't ever use them. It's just like the, it's foolish.
2: The, the only pushback I have on that is like they've done it before, right. and when it when it turns out to where they just get a player who's just as good and can take over that role, we don't talk about it. So it's not it's not like a huge deal. The Darrell Rivas situation was a debacle after his one year in New England, but. Malcolm Butler was just there, waiting in the wings, and took right. over. You know what I'm saying? So, right.
3: Revis was a Revis is a one year deal. That was a that was a we're going to win a championship this year, so we're going to sign him to one year. Right? Deal. you but know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Tonight. I know what you mean. I know what you
2: if mean. if someone comes in and takes over the role, then no one's going to talk about it in five years. So I just w- I'll right. wait off a little bit. I love the passion though. I, I enjoyed that thoroughly.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it comes back to two. Like Jalen Mills played out of position last year. Because they didn't have depth out there, right? Jawan Williams has shown he can't do it. And you bring up, you know, maybe they go out and get a guy, Keegan. They haven't shown, and I know it's it's a different draft approach. And I don't want to judge them when Casario is here. When the last time they took one, but they haven't shown that they can they can hit on these guys early in the draft. Like their their misses at defensive back is the is their biggest, right? Jawan Williams, okay. Razzle Dowling, Duke Dawson, Cyrus Jones, like the list goes on. That's that's the toughest part, but. Since you brought up the draft, we're going to bring in our guest for the night, Ryan Roberts uh, from Rising Draft. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's a big week. I appreciate you stepping in during the combine to uh, to have some conversations with us. So, so welcome on.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys. I'm, I'm have it on in the background, but I appreciate the the invite as always. Of course. Uh, so
0: we're going to be talking mainly wide receivers. We kind of introducing a little new segment here. Uh, bring up a prospect a week, kind of break them down, maybe see their fit in New England. Um, but I guess I'll start with this. Any wide receivers other than the Alabama guys, right? Cause Jamison Williams and John Mechie obviously come to mind, uh, that you think you fit their scheme, somebody that they can, you know, really, uh, come in and push the needle and, and really improve this wide receiver room for them.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's a few guys, right? Like when I, when I think of what I feel like is the strength of the Patriots now, it's obviously the quick passing game, in my opinion, with Mac Jones, right? Like he wants to get the ball out of his hand quick. So in that theory, I would prefer obviously players that have the yak ability have guys that can create after the catch kind of what we're seeing in san francisco a little bit with the debos of the world and and um you know kind of that brand so i think a guy like garrett wilson from ohio state is a guy that pops into my head very quickly you know he's a guy that's incredibly explosive after the catch but he's also a multi-level threat where i think that whether you want to line him up inside and out i think he can kind of affect the game in so many different ways uh traylon burks even though he's not having the greatest testing day of all time. Like he's got obviously a lot of yak ability after catch um, super physical. And I think that Drake London would be another guy out of USC. He's also not, not um, participating um, in the combine recovering from the ankle injury, but he's a guy when we're talking about, again, yak ability to win after the catch, he's not the most, he's not the most flexible mover in space, right? Like he's not going to make guys miss in the open field, but what he does is he's incredibly physical. He kind of reminds me a lot of Brandon Marshall, and I feel like that's kind of what Patriots fans probably thought they were, what they were getting with in Keel Harry when he was coming out of Arizona state. And I think that that is the better version. Um, something in that, that theory um, of big guys
2: that can create yak with physicalities is what you're getting in a guy with like a drink London from USC. And I, I want to get in, since it is day one of the combine, it's the day that everybody looks forward to receivers going. I wanted to ask you, maybe not from a Patriots perspective, but what you really could tell people to look for, because, there's so much emphasis put on 40 yard dash times like it's, Mm -hmm. it gets hammered on Twitter, but there's a lot of stuff going on here to where, you know, the the routes that they're running on the field, the gauntlet drills, stuff like that, verts, broad jumps, all that stuff. What do you think when you're looking for a top end receiver, what you should really be looking for?
1: Yeah, well, I I think the important part is that wide receivers win in much different ways, right? So if if a guy, for instance, like a DK Metcalf, the guy that always comes to mind first, like, why would you expect him to run a great three cone? Why would you expect his short shuttle to be great? Because he's a vertical plane wide receiver. He's going to win down the field with his size and his explosiveness. Like, that's how he's going to win. So I want to see it. Combine is always about verification for me, right? So if I see a guy that, like, a Jamison Williams, if he was able to test from Alabama, I watch the film and I'm like, that kid's a 4 3 athlete. If he goes to the combine, he runs a 4 3, that's just a check that verifies what I saw on film. But if he's a guy that I think is a 4 3 kid and then he goes and runs a 4 5, let's say, like much slower than I anticipate, that might be like a hey, maybe you should go check again. You're not going to change the grade, but like you're going to go check again. So that's what I kind of see. It's like Garrett Wilson, I expect to and he didn't really, you know, I expect him to jump really well, to broad jump well because I see explosiveness with his game. Same thing with Tr- Traylon Burks. I didn't expect Traylon Burks to run 4-3 like the, the you know, the the little rumors were going around him, but I did expect him to broad jump a little better. I did expect him to vertical a little better because his game is predicated on explosion. So I think that just kind of having understanding that verification is the big aspect of the combine, but for wide receiver specifically, if a guy wins a certain way, you should be able to just check that box, not expecting a vertical plane receiver to run really quickly, you know, in short areas expecting a a guy that shows explosiveness off the line of scrimmage to broad jump, potentially a guy that wins in the air to show that separation ability by elevating and then showing that vertical, like it's about verification. And for me, just don't expect a guy to be something that he isn't the film should tell you what he is. And the, the, whatever test you find Dean, quality to show that traits is the one that you should rely on. And you shouldn't expect guys to be something that they aren't.
3: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. I want to kind of get just a general draft question here for you. Sure. Patriots to draft in the 21. Right. And of course there's no really necessarily quote unquote elite quarterbacks this year as the, you know, compared to the last few years. Of course, last year was a ton of them. So I'm just curious as far as the breakdown looks, and I guess wide receiver, you know, I think the Patriots in an ideal world for most Patriots fans, they're drafting either a cornerback or a wide receiver in in round one, is what I would assume. Right. And so I guess my question to you is how many how many of those guys do you think will be available at 21? Right? Is Traylon Burks going to go in the top 21? It kind of seems like maybe Jameson Williams, maybe he doesn't play, but will he be so like those are the types of things where uh, you know, I don't. obviously you're not, you don't have a crystal ball, right. But just, just out of, you know, what you think and what you see with the guys and, and how you've broken them down, you know, how, how many of those guys do you think will go in that top 21?
1: Sure. Yeah. No, another great question. I, I think that first and foremost, you bring up a great point. It's like quarterbacks usually push guys back a little bit. Cause you're always going to kind of reach for those good quarterbacks at the top, obviously with it being a lighter class, you worry that there might be specific runs that start a little earlier, but from wide receiver perspective, from the cornerback perspective, which I think if, you, if those are the needs for the Patriots this year, I think they're in a really good spot because both those classes not only have quality up top, but they also have a lot of depth. Like you can get guys in the second, third round even. I know you're specifically talking about 21, but you can get guys a little later even that I think can be guys that can come in and that can contribute. So I imagine – cornerback wise, Derek Stingley will probably be off the board, even though he's not testing from LSU. I imagine that Ahmad Sauce Gardner probably is off the board. A, a guy like a Trent McDuffie might be off the board, but then I think that there's going to be guys like Andrew Bo Jr. who might slide a little bit because he's not testing. I think he's fantastic. If you ask me long-term who I think is the best cornerback in this class, I would say it's going to be Andrew Bo Jr. Like I love that kid out of Clemson. You have him, you have um, Kyler Gordon out of Washington who could be a nice riser. I prefer maybe a little further back into the first round, maybe early second. But, I mean, to answer the question, though, like there's five guys, I think, a cornerback this year that I would be comfortable drafting at number 21. So I think there's going to be a run early on offensive line, defensive line. That's the sense that I get, right? Like it's it's a great edge class. And you always need offensive tackles, and you have guys like Evan Neal and Ike McQuanu, and all those dudes. So, like, those guys are going to go early. And then let's not, I mean, it's the NFL. So, somebody, somebody's going to panic. So, like, Malik Willis is going to go somewhere oh, yeah. earlier than people are like. Everyone just keeps putting him in number 20 to Pittsburgh, which still works for you guys, even, even if that's the case. But I, I have a hard time thinking that the first quarterback is not going to be drafted until pick 20. Like, Washington's going to draft the quarterback, I think. Um, I think that the Carolina Panthers could be in play for a quarterback at pick eight, even though they're, you know, kind of dodging that question. So I think there's still gonna be a couple of quarterbacks drafted, which helps that board push back a little bit. But I think cornerback you're I in mean, a good spot. Wide receiver, it might be pick your pick your flavor at that point, right? Because I think that there's gonna be, like you said, I mean, Trey Line might be gone at that point, right? Garrett Wilson might be gone, but there's still going to be your Jamison Williams, who may have been a top 10 to 15 pick if he didn't get hurt. So that could be tremendous value and bring, I mean, for that wide receiver room, I, I know you guys have Nelson Aguilar, who's kind of up and down. He's got some speed, but like, you know, obviously you're working with Jacoby Myers, who's not much of a speed threat. You're working with Kendrick Bourne, who's not much of a speed threat. Adding that speed that Jamison Williams has is really interesting. So yeah. I think there's going to be guys both a wide receiver and quarterback that are worthy of that top of that 21st overall selection, because I think that they're, the, the depth there. And these, in both those classes, I think is tremendous in this class.
0: And we were talking about it just before he came on JC Jackson, the whole situation there, it, it, you know, obviously a lot can change in the next few days with the franchise tag and and maybe, you know, a miracle happens and they actually win when he hits the open market, which they won't because they they can't their cap situation. They won't get into, they can't win a bidding war Uh, at 21. You know, Patriots like these guys with length and, and people that can play press man, I know you mentioned a few of them. I guess ideally, who would be your fit, right? Because you have McDuffie, you have Andrew Booth Jr., maybe a Kyler Gordon, who's a, you know obviously a freak athlete. Uh, yep. Schematically, you know, from your perspective, who would be somebody that they may target there that might be there, right? Like in a in a great world, like Ahmad Sars Gardner would fit awesome here. Six two, two hundred right. pounds. Unbelievable in coverage, but there's just, I don't think there's a chance this guy goes, uh, is is there at 21, right? But then you have that, you talked about the depth with, like I said, Booth and McDuffie, guys like that, that may be able to come in. And and like Keegan said earlier, not going to be a JC Jackson year one, right? But if you can kind of put him into spots and maybe hide him a little bit, get some safety help and, and really develop him into your next guy on a rookie contract with that fifth year, I guess who would be that guy for you?
1: Andrew Moore Jr. would be my answer. I mean, if he's on the board, I think it's a slam dunk because I, I, not only is he great in press covers, like you kind of talked about a little bit, he has really good understanding of getting his hips aligned and his you know, his, his hands activating with his feet and just mirrorability. And he, I mean, he's got all the short area quickness that you would want at the line of scrimmage and the physicality. But also I think that he gives you so much possibility because he could play zone, he could play off man, he could play press, he can do so much of everything. Like you don't have to make him just an exclusive press man corner like you can ask him to do so much whether he's working in the boundary working to the field playing left right like it doesn't matter with a guy like an Andrew Booth, in my opinion from the upside I think a a interesting player would be maybe Trent McDuffie because although I wouldn't classify him as the perfect press man corner because he's just not the biggest guy in the world he does I mean stylistically to JC Jackson is size wise kind of makes some sense some parallels and I think that he has Incredible zone awareness, and I think that he's click and close and off man is fantastic. So, like, mm-hmm. I think that that fit makes sense. But if you're looking for a guy that I think can day one play press man in the NFL and play it effectively, I think that Andrew Booth brings that and more, right? And I think that he absolutely does. Kyler Gordon, I think, can go in that range because I think he's going to test like a just a freaking nature. I don't know if he's the day one press man corner that you're going to want, though. Like, he's more of an off man, really incredible athlete type. Yeah. Like, click and close, and then he can turn and run. Like, that's what I see with Kyler. Now, he's he's inexperienced, so can he be that? I mean, he's six foot with long arms, so, like, there's no reason to think that he can't be that guy that can play more at the line of scrimmage. I just don't know if the day one return is going to be great. So, uh, Andrew Booth Jr., man, if he's on the board, run into the podium. That's an easy one for me.
2: That's a that's the perfect answer. It's the correct answer. Uh, <laughs> since, since it is the combine, we don't want to take up a ton of your time. I thought maybe if you guys wanted to do it as well, we could kind of just fire some prospects that we like at you and get your thoughts on. Them. I think that could be love kind it. of fun. I like it. I'll start Cam Taylor Britt. I don't know what it is about him. He's super physical. I love him. I think he's a great like if you want to pair a corner with a wide receiver in the draft. I think he's the perfect corner in like the middle rounds. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, he's a fun
1: guy because I, I feel like the NFL now more than ever is becoming a very matchup-dictated league, right? And you see guys like Cooper Cup that are move, you know, they'll play outside, he'll play inside, he'll play Z, he'll play X, he'll play like he'll play all over the place. And I think that Cam Taylor britt gives you that physical profile, like you said, that I think he can follow a certain type of receiver. Now, he's not the biggest kid in the world, obviously. So I don't know if Press Man is going to be his cup of tea if you're projecting him as a pure outside corner. But I think that as a zone heavy scheme and it's playing some off man as well, because I think that he's definitely fluid enough to do it. But I think that the the fun part about him is that he could be a move piece in the secondary, right? Like he could be a nickel day one, like easy starting nickel. He could play outside. I think he can even plays safety. So he can do all those different things. And I think it's like, Oh, you're going up against a team that like, like a LA Rams, for instance, right. That have a great slot receiver. Cam Taylor, I think, could be the little bit of a negator. Now, obviously, he's not going to shut down Cooper Cup on a snap-to-snap basis, but like he can follow that guy no matter where he lines up, uh, uh, you know, on the on the on the formation. So, I really like him for the versatility he brings. And honestly, down the road, he may be a full-time safety, and he might be a damn good one to be honest. Because I think that he just has, I mean, there's not many better, more physical players in this draft, man. Like he'll get in your face. And he doesn't have the greatest length. So he's not going to be the greatest press man corner of all time, just because there's some limitations, but like he'll get in your face in the run game. He is super physical. There's a lot to like with Cam Taylor. He just, he just reminds me of a guy that is going to be one of those positionless players where who cares if you call him a corner, who cares if you call him a safety. All I know is he's a good player on the back ends.
0: My draft crush on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Harris out of Alabama, um, we talked about the needs of the Patriots: wide receiver, corner, right linebacker. Certainly, I, I think that's a position that they got exposed down the stretch. They need to get more athletic, and you know, all the all the praise to Dante Hightower, Kyle Van, or Jamie Collins. They won here, played a lot of meaningful football, but I just think their style and, and their age—it's kind of past the game's passing them. They're going to get killed by these teams that you know pick them apart over the middle. Someone like Harris, I think, fits them. Size requirements. They like their bigger linebackers. He's 6'2", 235. We'll see what he weighs in. I'm not sure what he weighed in at this week. Somewhere around that range. Uh, three-year guy, versatile. Um, I think could play a Mike position at the, at the pro level. Somebody that came from Alabama. They've had success drafting linebackers there. Um, I think schematically, you know, right in that 50 range where they have that second-round pick would be ideal to get a player like that. But I, like he could be a guy that could... You know, a good week in Indy, jump him up, maybe even to the later part of the first round early on day two. I just want to get your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah, no, if if he's there at fifty, yeah, I think it's a really solid pick. If he goes any higher, I think that it's a little bit of a reach because I think that the sum is I think the, the parts are a little greater than the sum right now. Cause I think that I mean, I remember his freshman year, Dylan Moses was hurt, so he was forced to play a lot as a true freshman. And they were playing Auburn and they ran just like a mesh concept. And it was, uh, it was, um, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Schwartz that plays for the Browns now that was like a 4 2 athlete. Like he was just silly fast and yeah. he ca- hawked him down, man. On this, it was just incredibly impressive athletic play by. I Harris. actually like, saw
0: when I did a thread on him, I saw your clip and used it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, man. He's, I mean, it's, when we're talking athleticism. Speed. Oh, the closing speed's insane. Like he, I mean, for, like you said, 6'2", 235, 240, somewhere in that ballpark, the kid can absolutely run. And I love the fit with, in, in Belichick with Belichick specifically, because I think right now I don't love his eyes um, as far as run fits, but like he can run and he can work in pursuit so well. And he's got upside and coverage. I just feel like the development has not quite been to the degree that I would love. But when you're working with a Belichick, like Belichick's going to ask him to do what he does best. He is going to make him an an attack style player. You're going to blitz a ton. You're going to get downhill and you are just going to go. And departmentalizing what he does really well, I think, is really nice, especially if if it's at pick 50 because the athleticism and upside is special. I just don't think he's all the way there, which you don't expect, obviously, for a guy that's coming out as a 30-year junior anyway. Like the upside is obviously still still there. But when we're talking about just athletes on the second level, there's not much better than Christian Harris. That kid is. I mean, he legitimately could run in the four fours this week at that size. Like he is Outrated. a freak of nature.
3: Yeah. So my guy, rough go of it, my guy. Uh, we've, my been, guy we've
0: been dumping on him for a while now. <laughs> so feel free to, to, to add in. Uh,
3: Marcus Jones is my math, my uh, my my draft crush. Uh, didn't show for for the Senior Bowl. No idea why. Uh, seems like yeah. he's going to be there at the combine. Um, and he is, a an outrageous athlete, uh, you know, one of the best return men, you know, certainly ever. in college football now, maybe even ever. Right. So, uh, and then, and then I thought showed pretty good coverage skills and a willingness to tackle too, from a guy that, you know, that, that isn't super big. So just curious about your thoughts. And of course that could change when we see him at the combine and he runs a, you know, a four, three and is jumping, uh, you know, has a 41 inch vert or something stupid like that. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, if that stuff happens, then, That could change, and, you know, of course, people are going to interview him, and why didn't you go to the Senior Bowl, and all that other stuff, so, you know, but just your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's a ready-made nickel at the next level, right? Like, he's not a big guy, obviously. He's going to weigh in probably 5'7", 5'8", like, he's not big, but one thing that is an underappreciated part of playing nickel is that you have to be a nice run defender, right? Like you have to run that alley. You have to be a force player. Like you have to, it's, it's a necessity. Yeah. And he comes up in the run game. He's got nice mirror matchability. He's quick footed. His changes direction is nice. I thought the, the defensive back film was very much improved from where it was in 2020 because 2020 was fine to me. It was like, yeah. it was okay. 2021, I thought was good. It was good. And like you said, historically speaking, one of the best return men ever, like not just coming out this year, like yeah. ever.
3: So oh, the a- SMU play, I mean, they, they kick off to him with, what, 10 seconds left to go in the game. He takes it to and the house went, to win, to win to the, the game. game.
1: It's, yeah, nah, it, it's absurd, man. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say baseline and we always talk about sticking point with prospects the kid is going to play in the NFL for a long time, just based upon his impact on special teams. Like there's no doubt in the world on that, but I also do think that he has starter level traits in the nickel because he's physical. And I think his short area quickness is great. Now I actually do. I don't know what his long speed is going to be. I'm a little curious about that one. Cause I, I think mm-hmm. that he's going to jump high. I think he's going to broad jump well. And I think his short area stuff is just going to be crazy ridiculous. I'm interested to see what his, long speed is because if his long speed is good then then you could sell me in certain systems right like a heavy cover two system for instance of maybe he could play some outside corner he's never going to do it all the time but like he could potentially do it but i think that baseline as a great return man with nickel starting upside i think that marcus jones is one of the better nickels in this class
3: there you go
0: ha (laughs) vindicated sell me yet there yeah didn't tell me yet but I, li- I like it. Um, Ryan, Just want to thank you again for coming on? Don't want to take up too, too much of your time with the combine going on. I know it's a crazy time of year for you. Um, yeah. We'll definitely have you on again before the draft. This was great. Love your content. Uh, before you go plug yourself, let us know where everybody can find you uh, and your great work at rise and draft.
1: I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So it's rise and draft R S E N and draft um, on Twitter. You can also go to rise draft.com. I try to keep it as simple as possible and check out, you know, we have the, database we have the mock draft simulator reports going up daily content so if you want to check that out i also do a a nfl draft show called believe in nfl draft prospect podcast Uh, if you want to look up that on any podcast platform or if you want to youtube it uh, feel free especially this week we'll be trying to do a show almost every single day just for like some instant reactions and everything so uh, make sure to check that out but fellas i really appreciate this again man i look forward to being on again this was a lot of fun
0: yeah thank you appreciate it
1: absolutely fellas take care
3: See ya. All right,
0: Ryan Roberts Rising Draft, great, great content. Um, it
2: is. It, it is great. I I got the follow to follow when do. you uh when you brought him up to us saying that he was going to come on. I followed him and I was like, I don't know how I haven't found this guy, but like oh, all great. his takes are on par with mine, so I love him. He's he's the best. <laughs>
0: um, I guess for the latter half of the show, we'll kind of introduce our our newest segment. I, I think Pat, we did a little bit of this a few years ago, but maybe not as as organized. Yeah, each week gonna kind of bring up a prospect. Any position. This week we we did all go wide receiver because I think it's it's the sexiest position. It's the position we all want. Um Keegan, I'll let you start. Introduce your guy. I think anybody who knows Keegan knows who he's going right off the bat. So this this moment right here, years in the making. And, and you it guys sure
2: know is. it is literally years. Chris Olave, and we all know how much I love him, but I think this is a good platform for us to have like an honest conversation. Maybe you guys might be able to just drag me back down to earth a little bit, but he he's, he's going to run the forty here in like 15, 20 minutes, and if it's anything under four 4-4, four or four four four, I would say, which is where they gone. project him to run,
0: and he's he's not going to be a twenty one.
2: <laughs> I I'll sell my soul. I I don't care where he goes. If he I just want him to get drafted high, and I want to watch him play football because I yep. I love him, you know. Yeah. But I, I do want to have the conversation because. I wrote an article last week, the, you know, the draft profile series for Pat's pulpit about him. And I think he can be a number one receiver um, for Mac Jones. Like I think he can be that guy, whether it's the traditional, you know, X go up and get it kind of guy that that's not who he is, but I think he can be the perfect option to go out and, and be a safety blanket for, for Mac Jones. I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on it. And then I'll kind of wrap up with my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean the the thing I, I like about him the experience, right? You're getting a guy with four years experience playing Big Ten football. Um, like you said, kind of positionless, can move him around. I don't know if he can be a true X. I think the only thing, maybe that's a little bit of a red flag and maybe why he's not a, at the top of the draft board. Because you went into college football this year and you were like Chris Olave's wide receiver one, and, and maybe he is still on your book, but you know he's four or five on you know Jeremiah and and these right. you know draft analysts. I think there's a little bit of limitations to his game, Um, you know, certainly got the size, maybe didn't weigh in as well. Like you said, I'm interested to see where he runs. Um, But I think from a scheme fit, um, that's a guy who can go into any system, I think and be able to find success because of the, the traits that he has, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. The thing about him, man, is that he just, he's such a pure route runner that he's, you know, he's just so slick running and you know, it's, it's interesting. I look at him as almost like a little bit of a higher level Rashad Bateman. Like Bateman came out last year and was just like so pure, so crisp. Everything was clean. And you just watched him like, man, this dude, just like everything was crisp. You know, beautiful cuts. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to get away from coverage uh, and do it, you know, without having to make some crazy move. All of a sudden he's open and you're like, wait, what happened? So uh, I, you know, he's a great, great player. Now I wonder about, you know, some of the durability issues. Does he, you know, he's not a Debo Samuel guy. He's not, he's not a great run after the catch guy. Never missed um, a game. Well, that's the thing. And so, and that's the thing. Like, so you say, okay, durability is an issue because he's small, but like he, I mean, he played and never had, never had to miss a game because of injury. So, you know, it's one of those things where you say, okay, well, maybe the, you know, it's different in the, in the, you know, in the pros and blah, 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 and whatever. But like, you know, People are going to start keep questioning those, those things because that's what they do is they question those things. But you know, I, I just think you look at him and say if he's there at twenty one and they take him at twenty one, uh, you know, to me, it, it, that's a, that's a slam dunk as far as I'm concerned. And look, you know, we'll see what the forty time looks like. Of course, Traylon Burks, who everyone was talking about, oh my god, this guy's 240, Nikhil and he runs. Harry. People a, get mad uh, when you say that. He, and he just Nikhil ran. Harry he just ran and... a. I know, but well, the Patriots fans do. But, you know, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be 6'4", 250, and run, you know, a 4'2". And it's like, well, actually, he's 6'2", and he just ran a 4'5". So, like, it's a little bit different. So, we'll see what Olave looks like. Um, but uh, the 40 time, like, is important, but it's – I mean, how important is it really? different place. I guess, place you place know. different,
0: in my opinion. But...
3: Right, right, right.
2: And, and that's, that's the thing, really, for me – I don't think I've ever talked about like wh- why do you love Chris Olave so much? It doesn't make any sense. Like why? I don't know the guy. He's from California. Why would I? <laughs> watching him play football is like like pouring water down a slide, and watching it you know, right, just smooth all the way yep. down, following the motions. That's what it's like watching him run a route. He's there's no there's no like quick cut. There's none of that. Which people might be like, oh, he can't cut. What do you talk? He just he looks like he's running straight and then all of a sudden he's 17 yards fading to the left and the cornerback has no idea where he is. It, right. This is that that's like the smoothness that you were talking about, Pat, where how pure of a route runner he is. And somebody asked me my comp for him, which I haven't given out yet because I, people are going to yell at me. But I think like low end Terry McLaurin, who is the epitome of a solid wide receiver yep. who quarterbacks love to throw to because they're always Take him open. to 21
0: any day. Take a right. guy like that at twenty one any day.
2: After you know twenty nineteen, where what he went in like the third round, second end of the second round, I think maybe beginning of the in third. In the sixties, you would take that guy at twenty one any day. So that's I think that's the low end for him. I think high end, Stefan Diggs, pure Ooh. route runner, who runs a hell of a deep like Chris Olave. He averaged twenty one yards per touchdown reception his junior year with Justin Fields. It fell off a little bit this year because he was used in a different role because Ohio State churns out five-star recruits like nothing but but that's who chris alave is where he's a deep threat he can get open across the middle he can be a safety blanket i think he can do so many different things and for a guy like mac jones who his strengths are knowing where people are on the field if you could build a rapport with a guy like chris Olave, that's unstoppable to me that's like an unstoppable duo i think he's perfect he also plays on special teams which is awesome
0: talk about special teams talk about a perfect fit didn't have the connection with Mac Jones, but same school. Obviously this guy went to your school, Keegan, uh, um, Jamison right. Williams. I can't believe we're having this talk. I think if, if he doesn't tear his ACL, he's probably a top 10 pick, which is insane to me because these I guys agree. come back so fast from these. And there was a report today that he's three months ahead of schedule and, and could potentially be ready for week one. Now that's another question for another day. I think, you know, if you're investing that high of a pick, you're probably a little bit more concerned and take it slow with it. But like I said, I, I can't believe this is even in question at 21 when you saw this guy play at Alabama this year. You thought, you know, if Jalen Waddle can go, what, eighth overall, seventh overall, this guy should probably fall in that same slot, especially with the quarterbacks falling down the board. Um, this is a real possibility that this guy's here. Um, it, it's insane that you watch this guy on tape. Just fastest dude on the field runs. He's just running away from everybody. He's it, It's insane. I think this is something that, Yes, he does fix the wide receiver room because you're lacking that guy, another versatile piece that can be a threat down the field. Um, Went to Alabama. I I can't believe this guy couldn't get on the field at Ohio State consistently. He obviously had some time, but I know you had Wilson and Olave and then Jackson, Smith, Najigba. Uh, who will probably be a first round pick next year as well. The, but, out of the lot um,
2: of them, I think he's probably going to end up being the best. That's how good that kid is. Yeah,
0: this solid. guy's probably not going to be ready maybe till middle of the year, if that. It could be a redshirt year. But I think if you're if you're drafting a player this caliber at twenty one, take as much time as possible because this yeah. is your future wide receiver one. And you know, you talk about a comp. I, I see a lot of Jalen Waddle to his game. Obviously, a, a bit longer. I think he came in at or just under 6'1", 180. Um, but this is a guy, like I said, you you throw on a highlight tape of him. I texted you guys, this dude just runs about by everybody. He's got some swagger oh, yeah. to his game, brings juice. This is the guy you want. You know yeah. who
2: I think of when I when I see him? Young Deshaun Jackson, when he would just you know, Mike Vick would just chuck it like seventy yards and he was he was camping under the ball like 40 <laughs> yards ahead of the corner. Like that that's who I saw, I think Field Yates tweeted it out. He averaged forty seven yards per touchdown reception. Outrageous last year. <laughs> 47 like Nikhil Harry doesn't average 47 yards in a, a season, like that 47 yards per touchdown is unbelievable. I think, in terms of game breaker, like that word that I what's Michael Irvin puts it on, like all wide receivers, there's nobody who could break a game open like Jamison Williams. Another guy, like you mentioned when I said the special teams thing, like he goes down and guns punts, and yeah. I think he led. He led Ohio time. State and special teams tackles the, the SEC third. championship
0: game. He was the best yeah. player in the field by a long, like a, right. a, a long shot.
2: He's a stud.
3: Yeah, uh, and that's that. Honestly, you know it's funny because uh, people oh yeah, Noodle or Mac, well. no, actually no, not really. Mac, that's what Mac did was throw deep uh, when he was when he was at Alabama. So you know you get a guy like Jamison Williams in there who actually can create separation down the field. And, you know, and you let Max sling it and, uh, you know, and you kind of see what happens. And Williams, too, is another guy. I mean, you get that speed out there and it's you run a reverse or you run a smoke screen or you run a, you know, or whatever, right? And then you get that guy behind the, the behind the line of scrimmage and, and let him take off and use his speed. So um that's one of those things where this guy, man, whew, like just that we don't have pictures haven't had speed like that since Randy Moss. And that's, you know, like that's. And not that he's Randy Moss, but like, but you know, they haven't had speed like that since Moss, where Moss just ran by everyone. And this kid has the ability to do that. Now, NFL defenses don't typically let you do that. You, we saw that with Patrick Mahomes and they Tyree Kill this year.
0: Up this guy, you know what I mean? However,
3: the Patriots also run the ball extremely well. So if you have a guy that can take the top off the defense, go ahead and play too high safety. That's fine. Go ahead and do that. And then we'll run the ball down your throat all game. And then when you switch to single high, guess what? James Williams is going to run by you for touchdown. So it's it's those things where, you know, you're able to do – it It makes your offense more explosive because you look at it and say, yep, now we have this issue that you can't deal with. Um, and uh, I, I love it. I, I, this kid would be – at 21 would be oh, a steal. Slam dunk.
0: And yep. your receiver room got much better last year, I think, if you can add a piece with this guy, a young player. You can almost yep. – they'll get by the first half of the season, whenever this dude is ready. Right. Uh, and you have five years of team control. This is a future wide receiver one slam dunk. The sky yep. is the limit for him, which brings us to our next guy. Pat, you're oh, more who you like that. just ran a four, three, nine. So this is right, baby. Uh, know Jeremiah said, there's no way this guy gets out of the second round. And I, and no, I no
3: shot. And that's, and that's, that's my guy this week. And listen, John Mechie, anyone that follows me knows that John Mechie is, is like my guy. Love John Mechie. I'd love John Mechie in the second or third round. But the more I watch this guy more, the more I read about this guy more, the more I see his highlight film. Now he's running a 4-3-9 a uh, and, oh, by the way, has the largest hands for wide receiver in the draft with 10.5-inch hands, which is outrageous when you think about how big his hands are. He's a guy that, you know, yes, he's got the long speed. But to me, his best ability is his short area quickness. He's a guy who's probably going to be he's, – he's best out of the slot. But with that speed, he could probably play on the outside. He's not big, but – it's it's the quick twitch stuff. It's the ability for him to just you know jiggle past the wide receiver. Jiggle ain't the right word, but you know what I mean. But do a little shimmy past, shimmy past the wide receiver, right or uh, past the corner, and get open across the middle of the field. He's not afraid to go over the middle. He'll take a hit, and once he gets the ball in his hands, you know he he's off. Yeah, he's God. gone, and yeah, and. and- That's what they need. They need that guy in the middle, and not that he's Edelman, right? But they need that slot guy that can get open across the middle, that isn't afraid to catch the ball over the middle. It can get open and create separation instantly, and that's a guy that could do that.
0: Obviously, the size is a little bit, but I think this is a if if they choose to go corner or even tackle or detail wherever linebacker at twenty one, like their second round pick in the fifties. This is a sweet spot to pick up a guy like this, right? A, a Sky Moore, a, a, a Calvin Austin, who they just picked up, yep. maybe like a, you know, even a Mechie, right? Like that second tier of wide receivers, I think even though you're picking them in the second round, I think that's, that's an upgrade yeah. to what you had. You got to get younger at that position, right? Kendrick Bourne's got one more year left. Nelson Aguilar's got one more year left, heavy contract. Jacoby Myers, I'm sure will be here for the rest of his career. Cause he's a He's just a Patriot. Yeah. Um, but that, like I said, that kind of that second tier, kind of starts with Sky Moore. Um, gets you younger, gets you quicker, and can ultimately help your wide receiver room now and in the future.
3: By the way, 5'10, 195. He's not, you know, he's not huge, but he's also not 5'6, 5'8. You know what I mean? So on
0: film, he looks, he plays a little smaller than that. Right. He does. He does play a little bit. Maybe that's because he's playing in the middle, uh, you know, inside and he's over the middle of the field a lot. But, right. Um, you know, I think there's some limitations to him. But like I said, if you get a guy like that at 50, if you get a really good player on the defensive side of the ball or a tackle at 21, no one will be mad at that pick. Yep.
2: And he kind of has the one thing that they don't have, which is like a little bit of a gadget guy deal where mm-hmm. throw him a bubble screen, he can get you some yards. Right. You know, tunnel screen, stuff like that, where they tried it with Nikhil, it didn't work. They've done a little bit of it with Kendrick Bourne, but it's super limited and basic. I think he kind of unlocks a different dimension to the offense if they want it.
3: Well, I think the big thing, too, when you look at, when you look at what they missed this past year, I just feel like – all their plays took so long to develop. You didn't have a guy. Drives, right. Like stuff. Right. Like that. And you didn't have a guy that could get off the ball and be open instantly. It was like, okay, give me a second or two to get open. This guy can get off the ball and get open immediately across the middle. And that's the type of guy that, you know, he all of a sudden is a safety blanket catching hundred passes like Edelman was because he's open every single time. Brady snaps it. Boom. Oh, there he is wide open, you know? So that's the type of stuff that they were missing and whether they take sky more or not i think they need that still they need that slot guy obviously you want the outside guy so if james and williams are 21 great but then let's let's try to find that slot guy as well that can get open and uh, and and create quick easy passes
0: pat take us home a uh, little new new segment I, i'll let yeah. you introduce it and take us yeah. home
3: yeah so so we we want to kind of incorporate a little bit a little bit of our like lives in here as well so uh, we we'll gonna do a little story time at the end. I do not have a good name for it yet. It's kind of, it's a little bit segment D ish kind of, kind of but, a mailbag too.
0: Yeah, we do yeah a mailbag we're going to, we're going to do week. some
3: mailbag stuff, but uh, you know, just to kind of give you a glimpse into our life and kind of what's going on and, you know, funny stories or stupid little things that happened. So I got two this week actually, uh, one of my Set tweets the went
0: Timer, Set the timer. Two one minutes. of my, oh, one I, of my I, tweets I went warning. Two-minute warning is a good name for it. We'll call it that.
3: One of my tweets Very went nuts. Uh, ben Coates, I said, uh, you know, Ben Coates, people forget how good Ben Coates is, uh, you know, was unbelievable and probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, Patriots Hall of Fame. And, oh, by the way, Ben Coates is in the Patriots Hall of Fame, uh, <laughs> was elected been
2: for many years,
3: was in, put in in 2008. I went to every he home game in 2008. He was pro- I was probably at the game it where they aren't even half that. Uh, doesn't no i just i just blocked i think i blocked 2008 out of my memory uh so yeah that was fun and i was like oh shoot that's right and people were like that's it's crazy he's not in and i'm like well actually kind of sorry about that <laughs> so but uh anyways that was my like oh and to make it worse i've been to the Patriots hall like 200 times my father works there my sister used to work there i like live there and i still <laughs> screwed that up so
2: you know what that's funny that like no one corrected you because I'll tweet out like numbers <laughs> and I'll accidentally hit a two instead of a three. Yeah, people will lose their mind. Oh, my so, anxiety like...
0: so bad. Oh, I got a
3: few. I got a few people, <laughs> of course, but but not a ton. Right? No one's Googling is he in the Patriots Hall of Fame? You know well, what I mean?
0: think too, like two thousand eight with Castle, and they didn't right. make the playoffs. Right. Like, yeah, no one's remembering that. Uh, it doesn't exist. Like no, it really it doesn't, around really doesn't. here, you know.
3: So so my second one uh, today, of course, yesterday was was Ash Wednesday, so you got to give up something for Lynn. So I gave up. Stopping for snacks on the way home from school and eating after dinner. That's why I gave up. Because okay, I'm not gonna stop. I stop at the gas station and get like chips in body. and He's getting his beach
0: body. In. Yeah,
3: yeah, no doubt. You know what I mean. So I stopped. <laughs> I was I was getting like chips and 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 uh, you know and, and some chocolate or some sweets or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I can't do that. So I'm like, all right, perfect. I bought. I got it all lined up. I got you know I had some uh, some cheese slices with some pepperoni and you know and a little bit on a, like a cracker or whatever. I was eating them as I go. Like, oh, great. So I'm doing that. And I got the cheese, like the individual cheese slices that are that come in a little package, right? So I'm going through them, and I have the first few, and then I look down, and they're like the cheddar jack, so they have like the stuff in them. But then I'm like, "That's blue. That's weird. I'm like, what the heck is that? Oh no, yeah, It was mold. There you go. So my cheese was moldy. That I I had like a few pieces of it. So that did just you finished. stop though?
0: Did you end up stopping?
3: And I did not. I did not stop. Okay, I had a few, but <laughs> I had he a few. I don't know if I had any moldy pieces or not, but it just shows Gas me station
0: cheese probably isn't the best,
3: anyways. was not know. gas station cheese. It was cheese that No, I I'm saying bought if you were to stop. No, 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 stop. no. Had no <laughs> shot. I'm stopping there. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, no. So that just, you know, just you try, you know, you try to eat well and you try to be healthy, and then that's what happens. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> so I got to get some new cheese. <laughs>
0: that's tough. <laughs> Did you give anything up, Specs? I just found out about this today and I went to Catholic school. So I'll think that'll be my, (laughs) uh, my homework for the week. We'll (laughs) figure it out. Um, But I think that wraps us Um, good show today. Obviously having Ryan on was great. Um, We'll start to get some, you know, draft analysts, you know, I guess a independent opinion, somebody that's maybe not studying the Patriots so much, but more so the draft. Right. Um, trying to incorporate some new segments. Obviously this was kind of, I I guess a decent little rough draft for us, but like I said, we'll, we'll get into like a mailbag, um, start answering some questions maybe towards the, the early part of the show, get you guys more involved, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's, it's draft season. Uh, I got a trip coming up in two weeks. Obviously it's on the first day of the new year. So, um, be working out there, but, um, it's an exciting time of year. One of my favorites and, and looks like, um, you know, the combines off to a good start. So
3: it's going to be fun. It's gonna be fun, boys. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.